one place. You see, I can't look after your need if you're not here. I get tickled. People will say, Pastor, I saw you on my TV this week. And I'll say, that's great. I didn't see you. (laughs) It's funny how that works, isn't it? I'm looking right at you, but I don't actually see you. One accord in one place. They get, you say, well, pastor, that's because they didn't have live stream. Yeah, but I think God's trying to teach us something here. Go to church. Amen? Amen. Be in the building. You just can't experience church through a screen. You just can't do it. Look at, look at Acts 2. Look down at verse 46. So they were in one accord. They had their hearts together. And they were in the same location. Verse 46. Our live stream count just dropped to about two. Amen. Everyone tuned out. Verse 46. And they continuing daily. Look here. Continuing daily with one accord. Read those words with me. One accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So uh, they're preaching the gospel together in verse 1. They're enjoying fellowship and meals together in verse 46. Look at chapter 4 verse 24. Chapter 4, verse 24. The Bible says, And when they heard that, they lifted up to their, their voice to God with one accord. They're together. They've surrendered to being one. Solidarity. And said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So now they're, they're not only uh, together in the same place, they're not only together in their spirit of fellowship, they're together in their worship of God. You see that? They're worshiping God together. Hey, you know what makes for a great time of worship here at our church? When everyone gets involved. And you think, well, worship, that must, he must be talking about when we sing. I am talking about when we sing, but did you know that when we pass the offering plates, that's a time of worship? And you know, during the preaching, that's a time of worship. We're holding up the cross of Christ. We're holding up the truth and we're worshiping that together. Hey, don't come to church and be a deadhead. A de- Is that a phrase in New England? Deadhead? Or am I bringing that from the South? Amen. Don't be a dead. You know what a deadhead is? Someone that stands there. Just... So well, I don't know the songs. It don't matter. Sing anyway. When I was... Um, uh, back in 2014, for a short time, we attended a church here in Connecticut. I won't say where because I don't want to embarrass the church or the pastor. But the pastor asked me to lead the singing. It shows you how small the church was. I was asked to lead the singing. And uh, they gave me a... He would bring in the order of service and hand it to me about five minutes before church starts and say, lead the songs. And he, I looked at the songs and every week there'd be at least one song I didn't know. And I'd say to him, can we swap this out? I don't know this song. He said, well, the church knows it. And I told him, I said, well, then they don't need a director. They know it. Just let them sing it. And you know what I do? I'd get up there and I'd just do my best to sing anyway and make, making a fool out of myself. It don't matter that you don't know the songs. Sing it. Just sing it. The words are on the screen. You say, I don't sound good. I don't either. But you know what? I sing. Just open up your mouth. Open up your vocal cords. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Amen? They surrender to solidarity. They're worshiping together. Look at uh, with me at chapter 5, verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12. They surrender to solidarity. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Look at this. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, 
Here the apostles are going about, they're performing miracles. And these were apostolic gifts. When the, by the way, we have, I want to make sure everyone understands this. I don't want to just use big fancy terms that people don't get. If you see a church sign that says, apostle such and such, run the other direction. To be an apostle, you had to have seen with your physical eyeballs the living Christ. So if someone says they're an apostle, they're not an apostle. There were gifts given to the apostles that when the apostles died, those gifts ceased to exist. One of them was the performing of these sensational miracles. All right? Uh, you're not going to ever see a healing service at White Oak Baptist Church where I slay people in the spirit. Okay? You ain't going to see one of those here. You ain't going to see one of them here. All right? Why not? Because those gifts died when the apostles died. But watch this. Here's what I want you to get. The apostles were doing great works and mighty wonders. And you know what the people did? They were in one accord behind their, their, their ministry leaders. Throughout my years here, I have seen many different ministries started. And you know what I hear people do? I hear people complain. And they're putting so much emphasis on the family for. What about us single people? Single people. Well, they put in so much emphasis, uh, save people, or rather, uh, uh, save people, yeah. Why, why preach the gospel so much? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the gospel preached all the time. Give me something that will help me grow. Couples conference. Ah, I charge so much for that couples conference. By the way, we lose money on that conference every year, just so you know, okay? Some of you think the price is too high, but you go out today, and how much are you going to spend at, at a restaurant after church? Amen. You know what I've learned? You know what, you know what I've learned, Brother Sean? Some people just complain because they like to complain. Amen? They just go and complain. These disciples, not you, by the way. I've never heard you complain. I'm sure you've never complained today in your life, have you? Not once. Amen. All right. You know what? These disciples were doing great works. And you know what the people did? They set aside what they wanted. And they came in behind the disciples. And they were in one accord together. They surrendered solidarity. Let me give you letter A here. Letter A, notice. They were unified in the same gospel. The same gospel. Look at chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles. Look at these next two words, or next three words. Doctrine and fellowship. Say those with me. Doctrine and fellowship. So they continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship. There are two, two types of people that come to church, all right? There are those who come here because they love the Word. Oh, man, at White Oak Baptist Church, they give the Word. And I go to get the Word. And I go to get fed. And I don't care about fellowship. I'm there to get the Word. And you know what? I'm going to come in late. Or come in late and I'm going to leave early because I don't really want to talk to anyone. I'm just there to get my spiritual meal and go home. Notice it doesn't say that they just continued in the apostles' teachings or doctrines. It says they continue the apostles' uh, doctrine and fellowship. Then there's another type of people, another type of person. They tolerate pastors preaching. Man, why has he got to preach for so long? You know, they get up and walk out while I'm preaching, and now no one's going to get up and walk out. All right, if you got to go to the bathroom, you can't hold it. We get it. All right, uh, but uh, they, uh, you got a baby crying in the nursery, you get paid. You go ahead and go. No one's going to don't don't judge you. Amen. But, uh, you know, they, they, they get up and wander around the building, and, and they're, they're here to talk and get to know people. They, they kind of daydream during the preaching. They enjoy the social aspect of the church. But the Bible says here they were in one accord in both 
doctrine. They continue steadfastly in both doctrine and fellowship. Look at this. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. They came together to pray. They came together for doctrine. They came together for fellowship. Look down at 44. And all that believed were together. Look at this. And had all things common. Look down at 46. And they continued daily, daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat and uh, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. They walked steadfastly or consistently in the apostles' doctrine. That just means the, do- the apostles' Teachings. Uh, verse 44 says that they believed, uh, all that, all that believed were together. In whom or what did they believe? Turn over to Acts 3. Acts 3. In Acts 2, Peter stood up at Pentecost and preached the message of salvation. Then in Acts 3, he and John were walking into the temple to conduct a church service on Solomon's porch. And a man in his 40s, who had been crippled from his youth, was laying there. Everyone knew who the man was. He'd been laid there every day for years. And he's there asking for money. And Peter and John stop. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold. I don't have any silver and gold, but I'll I'll tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that man, he didn't just stand up. He leaped to his feet and he went running. And he came back and he grabbed hold of Peter. He was so excited. He had been healed. And Peter and John come walking in. And all the people in the temple knew who this man was. Knew he had been crippled. And when they saw that Peter and John had made him whole through the power of Jesus, they came running in together. And Peter did not miss an opportunity. Look at chapter 3. He's preaching to this crowd who's gathered to see this man who was just made where he was able to walk. Look at verse 14. But ye denied, he says to the Jews, ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer, speaking of Barabbas, to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, look here, through faith in his name hath made this man strong. Notice that through faith whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness In the presence of you all. What saved this man? Faith. You know what saves you? Say it with me. Faith. You know what doesn't save you? Works. Works doesn't save you. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he had saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Uh, uh, Jesus said in John 6. He said all that the Father giveth to me. I will in no wise cast out. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. You can't earn a gift. You can't buy a gift. You can only receive a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Salvation is a matter of faith. Uh, In Acts chapter 16, the man said, Sirs, verse 30, what must I do to be saved? And they said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is not uh, some great effort on your part. You get into heaven by simple faith in Christ alone. That's what these men, that's what these women, that's what this body of believers had come to be unified under. They had surrendered their pride and through humility had come to salvation. 
Now, if I'm going to lose some of you in the sermon, it will be right here. I had you pray a few moments ago. And I had you tell the Lord that if God's Word shows me something that I'm not yielded to, that I will make the effort to be yielded. Turn to Matthew 5. You see, they were, they were, they were surrendered to solidarity with the same gospel. But not just how the gospel had affected them. They were also surrendered to giving the gospel to others. How do you think a church goes from 120 to 100,000 in just a few short months or a year? There's a whole bunch of people who are sharing the gospel. Now, if you think that it is, um, you know, too much for me to push you to share your faith, then let me show you what Jesus said about sharing your faith. Look at Matthew 5, verse 15. By the way, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. Look at verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Read verse 16 with me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do you see that there? You are to shine your light in a dark world. You are to be a witness to those that are without. You are to be a witness to those that are broken. You are to do your part to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. The same gospel. The same gospel. I think the attitude many people have is, well, I I put money in the plate. It's the preacher's job to tell folks about the Lord. Well, well, I, I give to the church. Let the deacons do that. Well, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm more of a prayer warrior. I'll let someone else be a witness. No, no, no. We've all been given a command to shine our lights to a lost and dying world. What were they unified under? Well, they were surrendered to solidarity. They set aside their fears. They embraced boldness and courage. And they proclaimed the truth house to house each and every day. Letter A the same gospel letter B, we see the same goals. The same goals. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 32. I'm going to make some of you very uncomfortable here. I like to make some of you squirm in your seat, all right? Look at verse 32. Especially some of you who are red-blooded Americans, you're really going to get uncomfortable here. Look at verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But, look here, they had all things common. That sounds like a communal to me. You say, I don't know, Pastor. Let's keep reading. And with great power gave the witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, that word also means encouragement, a Levite, And of the country of Cyprus, having land, 
sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what happened? This church body acted as a giant commune. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like communism. You say, Pastor, are you a communist? Well, let me explain. I think all of us in here on some level have a communistic attitude in some ways. Let me, get, let me illustrate. I'm going to give you my opinion for a minute, okay? Time out. Pastor Lejeune opinion alert, all right? This is not necessarily found. It's, found. it's found somewhat in the Bible. But I want to make sure I preface this as opinion. In my home, we have a commune. I go to work, all right? I bring home a paycheck. And then Angela takes the money that I've earned going to work and she buys groceries and puts them in the refrigerator. And you know what my deadbeat son who doesn't work a job does? He eats out of my refrigerator. Can you believe it? I do the work and my de- he's not a deadbeat son. He's a good boy. But my deadbeat son, he and my daughter, let me tell you. Man, the other day I was at uh, I was at Dunkin Donuts and I got a nice coffee. Amen. How many like Dunkin' better than Starbucks? Amen. Those are the blue-collared, hard-working... <laughs> How many like Starbucks more than Dunkin' and you're not ashamed? Okay. All right. Amen. Okay. We'll convert you one day. All right. How many think both are a waste of money? Raise your hand. Some of you just raise your hand to the other question. All right. So you're admitting to waste your own money. All right. I'm at Dunkin' Donuts and I get a, a iced coffee and my daughter loves iced coffee. And she says, Dad, can I have a sip? And I said, sure, you can have a sip. I look over and she's gulping down. <laughs> my, I said, that's not a sip. That's like four gulps. And she's laughing, right? My deadbeat daughter, my deadbeat son. You know what? I go to work. I work hard. And my kids who don't go to work, you know what they do? They eat out of my refrigerator. They'll come to me and say, Dad, my shoes are too small. So I've got to go out and buy new shoes. Man, shoes are expensive. Are they not? And my son's been growing like a weed. I can't keep that boy in pants. He looks like Noah coming off the ark. That flood all the time, you know? That's all right. We were all there too, okay? Man, I turn around every month. I just about got to buy that, buy that boy new pants. Communism works in a, in a small setting like a home. But as you move out... You should become, this is my opinion, less and less communistic. You know what? One step out from our, our, my home is, is my church. There are those of you here, you have needs. And you hit hard times. And you know what? Because you're part of my community, I should help look after your needs. But as you move further out from the, again, my opinion, from the home and the church, you get into the city and then you get into the state, and then you get into the federal government. You know what I'm not worried about? I'm not worried about someone in Topeka, Kansas who's struggling. You know who should worry about the people in Topeka, Kansas? The people who live in Topeka, Kansas. And so for a government to take my money to send it to someone who lives on the other side of the country who I'm never going to know and have no community with, well, you know, there's no, I don't see a purpose in that. And I'm going to tell you what's happening in our country. Again, I'm still giving my opinion. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. Our government, for many people, has become God. And instead of them going to the church house to get help, 
they go to the government. And when the government can no longer help them, then they come running to the church looking for just enough help to get by until they get their entitlement checked the next week. When I was an assistant pastor in Maryland, at Granite Baptist, we had a street was on a very busy road and a lot of foot traffic. And I, one day I was walking across the parking lot and this, this man came up to me in the parking lot. And he, he says to me, he says, hey, hey, can I talk to you? You work here? I said, yeah, I work here. He said, hey, man, I've hit some hard times. I was wondering if the church could advance me some money. And I looked at him and I said, oh, man. I said, I'll tell you what. We have um, a food, food pantry here at this church. We don't have one here, but we had one there. I'd love to have one here someday, but maybe one day. But we had one there. It was a really robust food, food pantry. I mean, you're talking about like, like frozen, like half racks of, 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 of a, a, you know, half rack of a, a beef or whatever. We had all kinds of stuff. I wish I could have gone there. It was amazing. Angela, you remember this? I thought I was Angela, you remember this? That was awesome. That was a great food bank. This guy looks at me. No exaggeration. He looks at me and he's like, what's wrong with you churches? I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, every time we come to these churches, you all offer us food. He said, the government gives us food, man. We don't need your food. He said, look at me. Look at me in my eyes. Money. We need your money. Do you get it? I said, get off this property right now or I'm going to call the police. And he, I had him leave the property. But what about people who do go to church here? What about people who do fall on hard times? It is our responsibility as a church to help them. I'm thankful through the years people have stepped up and given to our church's benevolence fund. Our benevolence fund's kind of low right now, so that limits what we can do to help people. I'd love for some of you to step up and write a check and help fill that back up. Money that's given to the benevolence fund goes strictly to helping people in our church family who are on hard times. We've had people who work hard but couldn't cover rent a month, and we've stepped up and covered a month of rent. We've had other people who've had a car breakdown. We've been able to pay a repair bill to get their car back up on the road so they can go back to work. We've had other people who couldn't pay their power bill. and We've it covered a power bill or two through the years. And I'm thankful that we're able to do that. Here in Acts 4, what happened? Those who had money and were wealthy, they sold their extra lands, gave the money to the church, and then the church held the people getting the money responsible and distributed to those who were in need. They were unified. They were together. They were surrendered to solidarity. Number one, we see surrendered to solidarity. Number two, we see surrendered. They surrendered to suffering. They surrendered to suffering. Acts chapter number five. Go there with me. Look at verse number 29. Preaching the gospel for them was not easy. Preaching the gospel for them was done in in a hostile environment. Look at 29. The Bible says, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought, read that phrase with me right there. Read the rest of the verse. Ready? We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost. Read the rest of this verse with me. Whom God hath given to them that obey Him. So here they are in court. Here they are being questioned over their preaching of the gospel. And you know what they say? We're going to obey God rather than we're going to obey you. These men had surrendered to doing God's work. But now they were being faced with political persecution as a result. 
What did they do? Notice letter A, their arrest. Their arrest. After Peter and John healed the crippled man, they were arrested and then told not to say anything else about Jesus. Then they were released. Did they listen? Of course they didn't listen. The God of the universe had given them direct orders to do just the opposite. So they went right back to it and people were being converted and joining their ranks in great numbers. The high priest couldn't take it anymore, so he ordered to have the apostles arrested. Look with me at Acts 5, verse 17. Look down at verse 17. And by the way, this is one of the funniest passages in the book of Acts. Okay, look here. Uh, I just, I get tickled thinking about how angry these uh, Sadducees must have gotten over this. Then the high priest rose up, and they that were with him, which is in the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. Alright, so now it's nighttime. They're all locked up in prison. All the apostles are locked up in prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with them, and called the council together. And all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing uh, without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. So they have the apostles arrested. They have the apostles put in the common prison. They have guards watching this prison. And in the middle of the night, an angel come and lets them out and says to them, Hey, look, tomorrow morning, get right back in the temple where you were when you were arrested and go right back to preaching the gospel. And so the next morning comes, they get the council together. They get the religious senate together. They're getting ready to try them uh, and find them guilty. And then lo and behold, they sin to get them out of the prison and they're not there. They're gone. Now, where were they? (laughs) Well, look at verse 24. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereinto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. I can just see these guys hit the ceiling, right? What? We arrested them in the temple, we put them in prison, and they're right back there preaching. Look at verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. So, we see that they were arrested. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Listen up. Do you give the gospel out regularly? I mean, are you... i got tracts here I carry. We keep these outside by the door. But I have these invitations to our church with the gospel in the back. And, you know, every week I'm passing these out at stores. I'm passing these out on the streets. Uh, Anyone who will take one from me. Sometimes people are not nice about it. Most of the time people are at least courteous about it. But man, I'm passing these things out. Are you doing that? Don't answer out loud, but answer inside. Are you regularly giving these out to people? Are you telling people about the Lord? I was picking on Sean a minute ago, but Sean and Melba have been coming to our church. Do you know why they're here? Because when Melba was in a grocery store, Polly said to her early one morning, she said, let me give you an invite to my church. And you know what? They're now faithful members of our church. How many of you are members of our church or attend our church because somebody invited you while you were out in public? Would you hold up your hand for me? 
Somebody invited you and you came to our church as a result. Okay, many hands, there's many more that aren't in the service right now that have come as a result. You know what, are you actively doing that? Because one day, if you are threatened to be arrested, if you're not doing it now, you're definitely not going to do it then. What if that liberty was taken away from you? We have in this country the freedom of religion where we can tell others about the Lord and we don't have to worry about being arrested. I've had the police called on me for knocking doors. You know, every time the police comes, you know what they say to me? Keep on going. You're protected by the law. There's nothing they can do about that. But what if that were to change? What if all of a sudden the laws in our country changed and you got arrested for telling others about the Lord? Hey, listen, if you ain't doing it now, you surely aren't going to do it then. Although I think there might be some rebels in here that just because the police says they can't do it, they may want to go try and do it. Maybe some of you, that's what you need. They got arrested for it. Letter A, their arrest. Letter B, their abuse. You can just imagine how infuriated the high priest and religious council were that all this had happened. They wanted to have these apostles immediately killed. So, they're angry. I mean, they're, they're angry. And I mean, they're, they're, they're in a raucous. They're, there's emotion in the room. They, they arrested these guys. These guys got out of prison somehow. They're right back preaching where they were when they were arrested. And they bring them in. And they want to squelch this uprising of Jesus followers. They want to do away with this because it's hurting them in their cause. And, and so the sentiment in the room is to have these men put to death. And then a man who was older rose above the emotion. And here's what he said in the council. He said, guys... He said, I'm telling you, it's not a good idea to kill them. You're going to make the problem worse. He said, listen to me. He said, we've had other prophets rise up who were fake. And when they died, uh, everything dispersed. And he said, uh, just let this thing write itself out. He said, because if they're not of God, it'll die. But if they are of God, you can't win fighting against God. How many think that's probably pretty solid logic? Well, you know what? Look at verse number. um, Look with me at verse number 40. They agreed with him. And to him they agreed, and when they called the apostles, look at those next three words, and beaten them, and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They beat the backs of these men for preaching the gospel. This had gone past arrest, fingerprinting, and mugshots. To where now physical violence was being imposed. Are you willing to suffer for the name of Jesus? Listen up to me. What if it meant you taking a beating to keep preaching the name of Jesus? Where's your, okay, that's enough, that's my stop point. I'll surrender to give the gospel... But as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. I'll surrender to preach the gospel as long as the police don't get involved. I'll surrender to preach the gospel as long as I'm not going to get hurt doing it. You see, the disciples are much past that point. Letter C. We see their attitude. Their attitude. Look at verse 41. So they've just been beaten. Are they discouraged? Are they playing the victim card? Are they ready to quit? Are they ready to throw in the towel? Look at verse 41. 
they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now that, my friend, is a surrendered attitude. That's the attitude that I want to have. That's the attitude that no matter what persecution you throw at me, I'm going to preach the name of Jesus. Many Christians today are unwilling and afraid to suffer at all for their faith. Paul worded it this way as he wrote to the church of Philippi from a, from a prison cell where he'd been put for being a preacher. He said this, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Listen to this next phrase. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable to his death. Now church, I'm thankful for the laws of our land that offers protection to be able to uh, have freedom of religion. We don't suffer like other people in the world do. You know, one of the most horrible things in our world today is the sex slave market. Child trafficking that goes on in this world. You know, it's pretty strong in Central and South America, but it's even stronger in the Middle East. And do you know that if you are the daughter or son, a child that's the son or daughter of a Christian family, you are prime candidate to become trafficked. You imagine being a Christian and it get, word gets out and next thing you know they're coming for your kids. We don't really suffer persecution here. We don't really suffer. You know, over in the Middle East, they find out you're a Christian, they'll kill you. And in other countries, they may not kill you, but they'll disown you, and you have no, they have a funeral for you, and they bury you as though you don't live anymore. Mom and Dad won't talk to you anymore. We don't really suffer for the Lord in this country. You know what kind of suffering we endure here in the U.S.? We endure the suffering of being inconvenienced. I, I mean, I mean, you might actually have to switch jobs and take lower pay so that you have more time to do the work of God. <gasps> you might have to actually live a simpler life. You might have uh, to... Take your family time from going to the movies or Little League Baseball. Instead, go visit a bus route or visit a widow and and do the work of the Lord with your family. You, you might mean less overtime. It, it might mean rearranged priorities for you and your wife or you and your family in order for you to actually work toward building the kingdom of God. Are you willing to let your plush lifestyle, are you willing to push that to the side? Are you willing to downgrade your material goods? Are you willing to give up a Saturday morning or a weekday evening to tell others about the Lord? Are you willing to ride a hot or cold bus in order to show a small child who lives in a broken home the love of Christ? Hey, listen to me, church. I'm not asking you to suffer. I'm not asking you even to surrender to suffer. I'm asking, are you surrendered to be inconvenienced a little for the cause of Christ. Is your heart surrendered? Number three, lastly, notice they surrendered to serving. They surrendered to serving. By the time we get to Acts 6, the church is growing so quickly. 
that their leadership structure was not able to meet every need that was presented. Letter A, notice the problems with growth. The problems with growth. Look at Acts chapter 6 with me. Acts chapter 6, we're going to read the first four verses. I appreciate your patience with me. I'm battling the cold this morning. and When I woke up this morning, I couldn't even speak. So God's given me grace to let me preach here. Look at verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, so the church is growing double, 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 there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because why? Their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the number of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God. Read those next three words. And serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint, those next three words, over, oh, let me hear you now, over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So here's how church growth works, all right? Watch this, okay? You have a structure in place. You got a pastor, you got maybe assistant pastors, you got deacons or elders, uh, you got um, uh, maybe a choir, you got nursery workers, uh, you got junior church workers, you got teen workers, and you have a structure in place, and your church grows within that structure, and then all of a sudden, the church hits the limits of what that structure can handle, and then you get to a point of chaos. Everybody say chaos with me. Ready? Chaos. All right. And now, all of a sudden, you have to do one of two things. You have to let the church shrink down in size to where it can handle the structure, the structure can handle the size, or you have to restructure things so that the church can continue to grow. So it's Structure, growth, chaos, restructure, growth, more chaos, restructure, growth, and you just continue that cycle. Now, if you get good, you can restructure right before you hit chaos, and you just keep on growing. But they had hit chaos here, right? They had grown so fast that the widows were being neglected, tables weren't being served, and the business of the church was not properly being attended to, and now people are beginning to complain against the church because uh, there are people falling between the cracks and needs that are going unmet. Now, I want you to say these three words with me. Here are the three words, all right? Growth is good. Say that with me. Ready? Growth is good. Say it again, but this time smile. Ready? Here we go. Growth is good. There are people that have this attitude. I don't want to go to that church anymore. It's just gotten too big for me. I want to go to a church where I know everybody's name. I don't want to go to a church that's growing like that. I know it's too big for me. It's too cold. It's too impersonal. Listen, there are things churches have to do to stay personal. But can I tell you something today? Growth is always good. Now, it's not good when I eat too many hamburgers. Amen? That would be a time where growth isn't good. But church growth is always good. You know what that means? That means we expand our influence to reach the community. But with growth comes problems. So when we're restructuring, you know what we're asking? We're going to ask people who haven't been doing anything to hop up and help. Some of you are really good at keeping that seat warm. Amen? I mean, that seat's really warm. Hey, thank you. Thank you for warming up that seat. That means i got someone to preach to. I'm being semi-sarcastic, but I really am grateful that you've come and sit in your chair 
and that you've worn that seat. But you know what? You can only sit for so long. At some point, it's time for you to get up and help. Pastor comes to you and says, hey, are you willing to teach a class? Or are you willing to push a broom or a mop? Or are you willing to show up on time and help usher? Are you willing to help in the nursery? Would you be willing to help the church with their outreach effort on Saturdays? Are you available to show up to a prayer meeting and pray for the needs of others? Are you willing to open up your wallet and give uh, to those who are poor and without? Are you willing to love on a child who is fatherless or help visit a widow? Are you surrendered to serving? Letter B, we see the productivity of teamwork. So what did they do? They went and they recruited people to step up and help. We know these to be the first deacons. And you know what they did? They went forth and they served the widows. They served the tables. They looked after the business of the church. And what happened as a result of the people being surrendered to serving? Look down at verse 7. Read that with me. Ready? And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They became so attractive, people were leaving the Sadducees and Pharisees to join the church and believe in the Lord. Watch this now. Notice on your outline, notice there the word of God increased. The word increased. The word of God increased. Uh, God's word increases in the community when those who are part of the local church body surrender their hearts to serving God. Each one does their part to serve. They do so faithfully. They do so fervently. And then God's word can go out louder and stronger to the community. You say, well, you know what? Let someone else do it. Yeah, you know, somebody else might step up and do it, but it's quite possible someone else won't step up and do it. And now our influence in the community is lessened because you're not willing to step up and do your part. Now, if you're visiting today, I'm not talking to you. If you've just come a handful of times, I'm not talking to you. But to those of you that have joined this church and claim this church as your own, we need you to do your part. I'm telling you as the pastor, I watch this. I have a handful of people here who are just all in serving God. I mean, they're helping me run ministries. And I'm not even talking about the paid people. I'm talking about the unpaid people here that just love the Lord, love the work, and are all in. And you know what happens sometimes? They get discouraged. Do you know why they get discouraged? Because they have to deal with your selfishness. Hey, can you help me with a ride? Hey, can you prepare a meal over here? Hey, can you help ride the bus? Hey, can you step up and help teach a class? And some of you, your default answer is no. I won't do it. I won't help. And the people who are doing the heavy lifting, they sit there and they go, I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. I'm wore out. What if we locked arms together and said, hey, you know what? I may be not very good at teaching a class, but if God can speak through Balaam's donkey. Amen? Well, pastor, I I can't teach. Donkeys can't teach. Donkeys can't talk. But Balaam's donkey taught Balaam a lesson that he never forgot. Because Balaam's donkey was taken over by God and God spoke through Balaam's donkey. Now, do you think if God can speak through a donkey that He can speak through you? Do you really believe that? Then if I come and ask you to teach a class next week, 
Amen? Amen. 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 You say, Pastor, I really can't do that. Can you push a broom? Can you turn a mop? Hey, can you get up early on a Sunday morning? And can you get on a church bus? And can you love on boys and girls who live in broken homes and need you to show them the love of Jesus? By the way, not everybody that rides the bus comes from a broken home. But there's a lot of them that do. And they need you to show them the love of God. Oh, Pastor, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm Again, are you surrendered to suffer or are you surrendered to serve? If we would all lock arms together and we would all surrender to doing the Lord's work, the Word of God would increase in the Stratford and greater area. But not only did the Word of God increase, notice the disciples were multiplied. The disciples were multiplied. Back in Acts 6, it said there, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. Notice that next adverb, greatly. They multiplied greatly. You know, what wears me down is not people who won't serve. What wears me down is people who won't serve and then complain about how imperfect our church is. Because I sure hear your voices. And you know what is sad is that you're too cowardly to come tell me. So you tell other people who then turn around and tell me. That you said it. Hey, write this down. They've never ever built a statue for a critic. They've never built a statue for a critic. You can complain and complain and complain. But you know what we need you to do is we need you to step up and do your part. Surrender to serving. Acts chapter 5 tells the story of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. To sum up the story, the Bible tells us that they were not surrendered to God's word or God's will. Instead, they were selfish. How selfish were they? They saw the notoriety that Barnabas had gotten from selling his land and giving the money to the church. They wanted that same notoriety. So you know what they did? They sold some land, and then they gave a portion of the church, but told the church they had given all the money to the church. They lied. They wanted to have their cake and eat it too. You know what Peter said to them? When it was your land, it was yours. And when it was your money, it was yours. And you, you were welcome to do whatever you wanted to do with it. But when you gave a portion of it to the church and then told the church that you had given all of it, you lied to the Holy Ghost. You lied to the church. You lied to God. And you know what God did to Ananias? He struck.